Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Hello and welcome to the Friday Form Panel. Uh, Jason Bonington with you and Dan Malicki down the line, and this is a very, very important Night tomorrow night at Tabcourt Park, Melton. It's preliminary final weekend in harness racing. It's semi-finals of the Breeders' Crown. Always exciting. Causes great conjecture, doesn't it, Dan, whether we should have heats and semi-finals and all the rest of it. But when they come around, we really don't care. We just want to see the great racing. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, good morning to you and, and to everyone that's uh, listening this morning. Look, there are occasions, and I know speci- uh, especially with the dogs, that the, the, the heat night or semi-final night, they can actually be more attractive than the grand final night because the, the top quality ho- horses or greyhounds are spread out over the whole program. Um, and then they'll come through with a lot of winning form uh, into uh, into the major race. But there are occasions too, for whatever reason, that you know, you know some of the top horses don't even make the grand final because of the depth and competitiveness in in the semi-final. So we just want to see good racing. We don't want to see boring racing per se. But there are a lot of short price favourites that it's not going to be difficult trying to put a five or six legged multi together with, uh, with a lot of the shorties on the program, but they're short for a reason. They're all super horses. And there's always uh, great questions to be asked, uh, Dan, when it comes to speed maps, because people want to play exotics, trifectas, first fours and, and working out who's going to be where and answering those questions effectively is your pathway on a night like tomorrow night, uh, along with the five or six leg multi to making money, isn't it? Oh, especially when there are horses that are a dollar twenty or shorter, uh, you do look for the exotic plays, and I think trifectas, first fours, or it could be Quinella's exactas, might be your your way to go. But it's a great way to try to get that little bit of value uh, in in this case. A lot of the races, I think, tomorrow night. So that'll be your job to find the trifectas oh, in the first so... four. I'll try to work just on the winners at that time. <laughs> All right, let's get started because I think we can both find the winner of. Race one, which is the first of the Breeders' Crown semi-finals for the baby boys, the two-year-old Colts and Geldings, and I think it's fair to say the Lost Storm is a clear top seed in the uh, in this division throughout the series. So for next weekend, we'd be imagining that it would be winning there as well, probably. But um, certainly at a dollar twenty-five, it does look the one. I will be asking you what you think is going to happen at the start here, though, because perfect class can be a bit skitchy at the start. Pole mark and draw really good at heat level. Another in the end at 51 and 5 can run the gate. Major Celebrity, does do either of them want to hand up to Major Celebrity or does everybody only want to hand up to the Lost Storm? These are the questions we'll have to answer. Along with, there's a couple of the second row here. Captain's Knock. Well, they've knocked it based on one run. It's out to $21. And I'll tell you what, down there, our Vinny was outstanding in its heat, and you're getting 71 and 6. So even though we've got a $1.25 favourite, and I think we'll both be tipping it, um, there might be ways to make money out of this first race regardless, Dan. If you watch some of the performances of, of the horses and you've come up with a, a horse that you want to have something on, but for some reason you didn't see the Lost Norms race, I can understand why you you would want to find something else at those very attractive odds. Um, but the fact is the Lost Storm is a pretty special unit and he should, at, at, wor- at worst, hustle his way to the front. I think there's enough respect there that nobody wants him breathing down their neck and sitting outside of them, um, particularly if they're running a bit of time and uh, he should be able to find his way to the top. Interesting that you pointed out perfect class, whether it's able to hold up. It's it's a, a critical aspect to, to this race, isn't it? If it does get crossed by something else, it does change that uh, shape of the race a little bit. It's still got a chance of running a, a, a place and remembering top six are going through to qualify for the final next week. So you don't want to jeopardise your chances there by doing something silly for a lot of the drivers, for example, uh, particularly in this case where it looks highly unlikely that there's anything that could beat the Lost Storm. So five, well, he picks himself, really. We don't take any credit if he does win this one, I think, Jace. But no. maybe if we're able to get the trifectas and, and first fours. Captain's Knocks run last week was absolutely sensational. Um, he's he's a very good horse. In that time that the Lost Storm was able to run home in, it, you know, you can't make ground. No. But he, he did, didn't he? Didn't he find the line just that little bit quicker? I thought he was fantastic. But... 
off a very, very fast last quarter. So I think he's the second best horse in that race, clearly. And uh, I've put him in for second, thinking perfect class is going to have the peg line, whether it's leaders back or three back. And um, and also, uh, he's the one to watch as another peg line horse. But five on top, uh, I reckon Captain's Knock is a really good place bet. But what's that going to be in a race like this? Well, $3.80. What? $3.80 you're getting in place about Captain's Knock. What am I missing here? Uh, <laughs> I love that little sound that came in here. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, only well, people are getting wound up as, as you'd expect. They're going to get wound up in in, in uh, a concept of uh, peg line and who's drawn the front row and who might be able to get behind the lost storm and one of the placings is taken up by whoever gets that role and all the rest of it. But I'm so you're going that way. I'm I'm not equally. It doesn't sound, but um, close to equally uh, confident that our Vinny at six dollars a place is a is a good bet. So I think I think they're the two runners off the second row that have just been like I've marked I've marked Captain's Knock seven dollars to win, uh, and it's three dollars eighty a drum here. So um, I can hear the mouse clicking. Would you like me to give you a moment, Dan? Would you, <laughs> yeah. would, you would you like a little break here to have a bet? I, I can't believe that. That that is way over the odds. Three dollars eighty. I'm I'm shocked. I thought it'd be a dollar forty. Um, excuse me, but um, I want to get on. <laughs> well, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, and in in this case, you don't even need to um, fiddle around with constructing uh, wild exotics and um, and multiple investments because a straight out bet here. If if in any race you can find. A winner that you think, a horse that you think is going to win in a more even race, and you're getting three dollars eighty, about, and you thought they should be a dollar forty, dollar fifty. Well, you're going to have a, a decent bet, aren't you? So, we figured it out from your perspective. Captain's knocks the way to go at three dollars eighty the drum for, um, for Team Hewitt there, Brad Hewitt, who's a very, very good. Trainer. And you go back through this horse's runs, if you if you don't trust what you saw here. Uh, its runs up north were just outstanding, weren't they? So I'll tell you what, what did it SP in that race last time out? It was $4.20. So <laughs> apparently apparently it was awful in that race, Dan. You, you, you're completely wrong. It was no good. It must have been terrible because it's $4.20. Uh, must have got the colours confused. Yeah, hey, fancy it, that. It happens. Um, so that's the bet for you. I'm going 5 one, ten, and nine. So I, I agree with you over the odds, but I'd be having place bets on both numbers eight and uh, sorry nine and ten here. Um, Captain's knocking our Vinny now. The the prior form for our Vinny might not have been sensational, but it absolutely blasted, blasted home behind Techies watching from three poles. Now that might have been the, the classic uh, economical trip, and then. You, um, you've got the conserved energy and you rush home. But I tell you what, I like what I saw. Perfect classes in the mix there somewhere. I think that um, even if you thought that another Nian could cross perfect class, you could nearly have another place bet here because another Nian is not going that terribly. And if it was to find the front, you'd think that it would hold on and hand up to the lost storm. That's, that's how I would have read it anyway, Dan. Yeah, look, uh, there's a few we're making cases for. And I think a lot of that is based simply on... Um, what is expected to be a peg line domination, and that may very well be the case, but you're banking on perfect class and or major celebrity being on the pegs. Um, to, to be at it, I'm just looking at the place price now, $1.40 and $1.26. If, clearly, if they'd drawn other gates where they weren't going to get to the pegs, um, they'd be much longer odds. I don't think those prices are simply based just on their, their ability, and they've both got plenty of it. So, Therefore, uh, we can find others at a bit of value. And Captain's Knock, he's a, he's a damn good horse. And you've identified our Vinny, and it makes sense. Our Vinny ran past my, um, perfect class last start, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Just, uh, yeah. From, uh, from three poles. Now, like I say, conserved energy and all the rest, and perfect class had the harder run. But I don't know where perfect class is going to end up here. I don't know if perfect class is a three-pole um, dart home horse either. I think it's more of a, it's sort of a big grinder. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, Vinny, but we've given, we've given you a couple of bets in race one. Anyhow, um, second semi-final for the two-year-old Colts and Geldings of the Breeders' Crown. We'll get through this before we go to our first break. This is interesting, isn't it? Techies watching gets the massive, giant barrier draw advantage and comes up fifty-five. School captain, who we know is outstanding, Defeated the Lost Storm in the homegrown classic final in devastating fashion. He's $2.40. Is this 
As I wrote in the form comment down, a classic case of semi-final racing. And even if school captain is superior to techies watching, even if that's the case, has the barrier draw decided the race because it is a semi-final and techies watching can get the right run and should get that huge advantage where school captain, even though they'll want to win, doesn't need to win tomorrow night. Yeah, I know where you're coming from, and that, that makes perfect sense. You could have a gut buster breaking the clock and maybe win, but at what cost? Um, top six qualify for the uh, for the final next week. And from barrier number 13, it's, uh, I mean, it's it looks like it's a bad gate, but it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. You know why? Why? He's a super-duper horse. Yeah, he is. There's one horse that's beaten him in his life, only one horse, the Lost Storm. Um, look, I, I think school captain is is the best horse in the race. But having said that, um, you know, that's probably a little bit unfair to Techie's watching simply because he's three for three and, and we, we don't know um, where his ceiling is going to be. And he has a significantly uh, better barrier draw to be able to lead, uh, perhaps be able to dictate and then sprint home. He did last start in a 26.4, but... If they go slow and school captain sitting outside of him, I'm pretty sure that school captain could do that and maybe even marginally quicker as well. Uh, but he's going to have to work around them and get there. I think he will, and I don't think he'll have much problem getting there, but he probably doesn't have to be rushed to get there. Um, Nathan can go when he feels comfortable, and that'll probably be at the 13, 1400, gradually loop them, sit without cover from about the 900. Um, and it's just a matter of how quick or how slow they've gone um, to that point. Um, I did tip Tiki's watching to win, but I think school captain's the better horse. And for the reasons that you pointed out is why I've tipped them in that order. Uh, and then the hard part, uh, Louis Luai uh, from the leaders back, he looks like he's going to get a pretty good run from there if he can hold up leaders back. And that's the good part about some of those races, working out uh, what what is the trickiness in my eyes of horses that just because they've got good gates, they're going to be able to hold up because there's form coming from various mm. parts of the eastern states here. And some of these horses, I don't know that well to know if they've got the necessary gate speed. And because some of the form hasn't been overexposed, some of the ones that we know uh, from Victoria haven't been in positions to draw gates where they've shown enough gate speed, if all that makes sense. But 2, 13, 1 and 8. So I went for a bit of a peg line there, but I've got... Yeah, I think school captain can win. If he gets out the silly odds, that, that's who I'd be considering backing. All right, we'll take a break in the Friday form panel. I'll go through my thoughts on race two when we return. Stick with us on SEN Track. Yes, welcome back to the Friday form panel. We've got a very short segment here because um, we, um, we're getting out for obvious reasons uh, today. Uh, a little bit early uh, before 11 for Remembrance Day to, to pay our respects to the fallen soldiers. Um, so my thoughts here, uh, Tiki's watching, yes, over school captain, but I agree with everything Dan Malecki said, which is not unusual. School captain, I believe, is probably the better of the two. We don't know how good Tiki's watching is. That's the only question. And that was outlined by Dan, three from three, when you're unbeaten. And I know I remember hearing they had a big opinion of this horse before its debut way back in June, where it did everything wrong but still won. Uh, so two over 13. The one that I reckon has been uh, badly missed here is Hugo Maguire. Um, I remember when it came over to race in uh, at Geelong, on Geelong Cup night, I'd gone through its Kiwi replays. It's a really good horse. It's green as grass. It's wearing the right colours, Hugo Maguire, because it's raw. It's raw. But a lot of ability. I've got it in for third. And Louis Luai, for the reasons aforementioned by Dan Malecki as well, behind the leader, every conceivable opportunity to fill a podium position. 2, 13, 11 and 1. We'll go for another short break so that we can come back and get to this hard out at around 10.57, where we will be um, spending a minute paying our respects to the fallen soldiers who gave their lives so that we can sit around on radio and uh, you can sit around at home and listen to us talk about horses and try and find winners for a living. A bit of Van Morrison. I've uh, fallen in love with a few brown-eyed girls. A couple with blue eyes and a couple with green. And the odd one with hazel as well. Uh, <laughs> just happens, unfortunately. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, I reckon Dan Malecki's in the same boat. Race three on uh, British Crown semi-final night. Preliminary final weekend for the trots, really. This is stunning, this market, uh, to me. It might not be to you, Dan. Two-year-old fillies. Uh, I thought I'd found one here with uh, Jewel Melody. What a clash. I, I nearly think this is the race of the night. 
We don't know where Soho Seraphine's at. Might have been missing Michael Stanley. He's back home. Tempting Tigress, so amazing in her heat win. Jewel Melody, so incredible in defeat. I, I, I'm tipping Jewel Melody on top, but I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat stunned that she's this short. $1.70 versus... And I, I can't believe Soho Seraphine's second favourite. I thought Tempting Tigress had to be equal favourite or second favourite, but they're $1.70, $3.10 and $3.50. What do you make of it all, Dan? Great, uh, great race. Um, I just for the uh, the, the tips, uh, the numbers seven, one, ten, and nine. Uh, like you, Jewel Melody, uh, just super run last start and was still coming up the line. So her Seraphine's a very good horse and tempting Trigress unbeaten again. Don't know where the ceiling is. It's a it's a wonderful setup here. Um, Jewel Melody, I, look, I'm not sure she'll get to the front, but she'll try. Uh, she'll be right up there. Uh, Tempting Tigress will get through. Look, she's in a, got a good draw, two on the back row. It's not a bad draw, is it, Jason? She can make the move when they so desire. And Soho Seraphine may well lead or sit behind the leader. She's going to be in that cushy spot to be a really good each-way chance. 7-1-10. I thought Clive's girl, if it tracks through on the pegs drawn inside the back row, she showed enough ability uh, to be that rougher you want for your trifectas and first fours. Yeah, I've gone 7-10-1-2, and two, but I'm really, really looking forward to this. If for no other reason, there's a couple of things here. Uh, the hard out's um, hot on our heels, Dan, but it's great to actually have a Breeders' Crown where you've got a race with proper interstate rivalry, number one, um, because we don't want it to be the Victorian Breeders' Crown. Um, so having Jewel Melody there for Bernie Hewitt against Tempting Tigress. But I'll tell you what, it's it's a great it's a great um, moment to be able to see if, temp- if Tempting Tigress can win this from there, if things don't work out early, and she's three wide, no cover, or breezing outside of Jewel Melody, that's exciting as well, isn't it? I mean, if Jewel Melody can win, that's great, because that's New South Wales' influence. But if Tempting Tigress can win from there, if she can't slice through and get that perfect run in transit, that'll be exciting in a different way. It will be, and it'll be interesting then. A difficult decision for Mark Pitt, Tempting Tigress, Major Delight going forward. Yeah, we'll talk about Major Delight in a moment. Uh, Three-minute break here, a little bit longer than normal for obvious reasons. The 11th of the 11th. It's Remembrance Day, so take a moment, everybody, and, um, and just reflect on the lives you get to lead right now because of the sacrifices that were made by our fallen soldiers. Back in a few minutes with more Friday form panel. Stick with us. You're listening to the Friday form panel with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Great moment of reflection, uh, that, Dan, and everyone uh, does it in their own way, I think, but um, it's a tradition that uh, should go on forever, shouldn't it? Because we um, we do take things for granted very often. The ability to be doing what we're doing, um, spitballing and, um, and, and debating over who might win the Breeders' Crown semi-finals tomorrow night, well... We can only do it for a reason, and I know people are, you know, very anti-war these days, as they should be. I think everybody's anti-war, but um, uh, men and women went out there and did something that uh, we don't have to do because they did, and it's um, it's a pretty special moment to reflect, and, and is every year. Yeah, of course it is. It's uh, very few families that wouldn't have been affected, and it doesn't matter whether they were brought up in Australia or have come here at the, uh, different times through the course of the last, um, well, the last 100 years, pretty much. So a very important time to to reflect. There's no doubt about that. Um, Jason, so uh, well done to, uh, to, to to SEN to do that um, and give us an opportunity to to remember the fallen and, and, and our lives and maybe the way they would have been without uh, those sacrifices. Amazingly different, and uh, I quite often think people don't know how different they would have been. 7, 10, 1 and 2 for me in that first semi-final of the Elabar Breeders' Crown Series 25 for the freshman fillies. We move on to semi-final number two, and we've already have segued nicely here. We talk about Major Delight. Well, I don't know about you, Dan, but Major Delight, who is, of course, a sister to Max Delight, um, turned up, started the career and looked handy, then looked more than handy, then looked good, and its last couple looks downright absolutely unbelievably special. Just does the job. There's no frills about her. Uh, she just goes does the job, whatever the challenge is. She's up to it, sits without cover, 
doesn't necessarily win by big margins, is not necessarily breathtaking uh, with the way she puts them away, but there's a common denominator, and that's just winning, and she just does enough to flex her muscles and get the job done. Runs time, runs fastest time that a two-year-old, is, two-year-old filly has ever run, and look, she makes her own luck. She's quite extraordinary. Um, we knew she was good, but she's, she's in the special range, isn't she? And again, unbeaten, where is that ceiling? No, I think it's a really, really high ceiling, extremely high ceiling. Um, I'm, I'm treating her like she's automatonish. She's a robot. Um, <laughs> there's something else. She's got that freaky, freakishness about her. Whatever challenge is thrown at her, she rises to the occasion. So I'm, I'm treating her that way now. Um, six major delight. Uh, to win from four perfect and pink. She, she's going well perfect and pink. Um, she might even be able to get across to the pegs. That would make a big difference. Uh, one Aureus, a very good last start. I thought she chased really well. That ground that she made up from about the 400 to the mm. 200 shows how quick she can reel off a section as well. And uh, and I found it difficult trying to find a fourth one. I threw number 11, uh, Tiff's little sister, in, but... Look, major delight, clear top pick for me. I can't see her getting beaten. But to be fair, the only other two that, that would be in the conversation, uh, to my eye, are perfect in pink and Aureus. All right, we've got our first headline of the Friday form panel. Major delight is a standard bred cyborg from yeah. uh, from Dan Malecki. Um, I think you're right. And I'll, I'll be honest uh, with you, Dan. Or, sort of when you looked at the boys and the girls divisions this year, and you, we always get this wrong, I reckon, because early in the season you think, oh, that's a really strong generation of of uh, two-year-old Colts and Geldings. Not so, I didn't think these fillies were necessarily... It was the strongest group. Well, that was put to bed in one fell swoop uh, at Maryborough, wasn't it? I mean, Tempting Tigress, Jewel Melody, Major Delight, amazing performances. And so 153-3 over the middle trip at Maryborough. What is that at Melton? You've probably got to slash yeah. another half second, maybe a second off. And you, you, you're talking times that aren't that far outside the open class record, let alone for two-year-olds. So it's it's mind-boggling stuff. Uh, she'll be winning. I'm thinking that without huge confidence that Aureus can kick, kick through and hold up that position from the pole marking drawer. And if she does, I think she'll run second. But really, you can have two trifectas here, six to beat one to beat four and six to beat four to beat one. And if you want to just couple them in, six to beat one and four to beat one and four. And if you don't think you're going to get anything out of that, I'd play really wide for fourth, don't you reckon, Dan? I mean, I can't separate... Between Tiff's little sister, um, Sahara Breeze, surfing makes sense, something about Eiley, they're all in the mix somewhere. So if you want to look for some value and and uh, play a bit of Keno, you can throw probably four or five in for fourth if you are as confident as I think we both are that the trifecta is ultra likely to be comprised by six, one and four with six almost certain to win. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, the, the part I struggled with was trying to work, work out which way I go second and third, and what was more difficult was trying to work out who, who I'd put in for fourth. But you're right, even with that in mind, maybe there's just that little bit of value. If you can find that right horse to run fourth, I still think you'll be rewarded with an okay first four dividend. Now, the, this, is, this Melton City Council sprint, again, I'm, I'm a little mesmerised by the prices. Torrid Saint did open at $2.60, which was... Overs. They've smashed it into to a dollar eighty here. Um, this is this is one of those races, Dan, where you've got an unbelievable depth of early speed, but you need a quadruple degree in quantum physics to work out who's going to use their early speed and who isn't. Yeah, well, that's well, that's right. Well, if if they don't, if if Torrid Saint, for example, is just able to breeze across, I mean, Aussie Battler scratched, he's out. So that's one less horse that's going to be having it cracked for that early lead. Does that, Bonsell... en- does that entice Bulletproof Boy to have a go on? The, a Bulletproof Boy becomes the most interesting runner, in my opinion, because we know he's got early speed. He couldn't cross Bonsell Benjamin for pure pace, but probably nothing could necessarily uh, cross Bonsell Benjamin for, for pure pace. Does Bulletproof Boy say, I don't want Torrid Saint to be getting the lead that easy, or is he just a quarter step off his best where they don't want to use him at the start? Or does he do just enough to keep Torrid Saint working a bit harder and Bonsell Benjamin? Because at seventeen twenty, the longer you're in front early, uh, without necessarily being tested, the more likely you're going to hold something out. So maybe Bulletproof Boy's role is 
because he is pretty quick out without necessarily, you know, have a dip for the lead, have a look for it just in case. But to be in a position where Torrid Saint has got to really either blast past him or work hard. If Torrid Saint got caught with that cover and Bulletproof Boy ended up in the 1-1, that has got to be advantage for Bulletproof Boy. Or if something opens up on the pegs, they could be quick enough out and uh, and maybe Bulletproof Boy can drop in. Although Gillaby Sylvester is pretty quick on the back row. I think it's an intriguing race. Bonsell Benjamin, do you want to really test him in front? Is he not going well enough? Or, or do you think he's just going to be better in front given the opportunity um, from barrier number one? It's it's a difficult difficult thing to work out because um, he could very... You know, I mean, I can't have him on his recent form, no. unfortunately. Um, Bulletproof Boy's going well. He hasn't had a good barrier for a while. Um, Torrid Saints flying, you know what to expect from him. And I think Max Delight's flying as well. Um, horse with terrific gate speed, but I think he'd be more reliant on those three horses going hard early, which would give the advantage to him. There is a couple of scenarios here, and that's why Torrid Saint is the price he is. Actually, I haven't had a check. Um, I'm looking at your prices here, which I generally get some sort of satisfaction of, and then often get let down when I see the real prices. <laughs> um, Torrid Saints a dollar eighty. Now I doubt he'll get shorter than that. If if there was a uh, a thought uh, or a groundswell that he would absolutely lead, he, he may get a little bit shorter than that. If if Bulletproof Boy and or Bonsell Benjamin, um, the camp were able to offer thoughts that they're there to, you know, not just let Torrid Saint dictate from the front, um, he, he could get out slightly. Bulletproof Boy is the, the one over the odds, $7.50. I mean, Bonsell Benjamin, Benjamin's 100 to 1 and look, if you thought he would lead, maybe you could have a dollar on him at that price, but he's not going well enough to my eye. But Bulletproof Boy at seven fifty, I think that's good value. When he's starting favourite, uh, having drawn the back row in recent races, I think seven fifty looks attractive. Well, uh, my tips for the record here, I've put Torrid Sane on top, thinking he would probably lead. Max Delight, uh, Bulletproof Boy, 5-6-3 and 4, Pete said so. I've gone five, six, three, and 9. I, f- I felt like Pete said so at seven fifty, same price as Bulletproof Boy has been massively overrated by the market. But this is a very consistent theme. It, it feels at the moment, uh, to my eye, down with um, interstate invaders, particularly those from New South Wales, they seem to keep them very, very, um, keep them nice and tight. $6 at open, Pete said so. And I don't think that form uh, necessarily stands up quite to what Torrid Saint... Torrid Saint has been, has performed some extraordinary heroics over short course trips leading this preparation. The question is, even though he won really well last start, I don't know that he, I reckon he's probably not, he's a metre off where he was. I think the Bulletproof Boy's a couple of metres off his absolute best. And I think Max Delight, this is the only thing, Max Delight, I think, is racing in career best form. Now, I know he was a Victorian three-year-old of the year and Australian three-year-old of the year. He won a Victoria Cup at Bendigo during the pandemic. But, you look at his runs, he's run second to rock and roll do in the Caduceus Classic over 17.20, massive run, 150.9, and then last start was uh, was huge in the Lensmith Mile. Uh, he's not a breeze. We know he's not a breeze horse, and he's, if he goes back, he'll need luck. But I feel like I'm tipping Torrid Saint on top, but I feel like Max Delight is in the zone almost more than anybody here. Mm, he's definitely ready to win. There's no doubt about that. He, he's a bit more opportunistic than Torrid Saint, who can obviously make his own luck. Bulletproof Boy's not dissimilar to Max Delight. However, Bulletproof Boy can probably uh, use up a bit more energy at the start or is capable of just doing something at the start and still having a kick left. Whereas I think Max Delight now, his best runs have been when he's been able to settle, get a genuine tempo and find the line. And he's been doing that really well, this preparation, without necessarily winning, but in some top-graded Group 1 races. So... He, the, the, the heart of Bulletproof Boy comes off the gate in Bonsell Benjamin. If, if there's a quick first quarter, which doesn't happen often, it's weird, isn't it, at Melton, why we don't get those quick first quarters. Mm. But if it was a reasonably quick first quarter, Max Delight comes right into it. Now, when you're putting a bet on before the race, that means nothing, I know. Uh, but that's why you're getting those sorts of prices about those two horses. If you feel as if Bonsell Benjamin Bulletproof Boy will offer some opposition at Torrid Saint early... Um, Max Delight's chances improve. These are hard fit horses. Um, it's pointless just letting Torrid Saint go to the front to dictate. Otherwise, what are you going there for? And why are you, why are you been complaining about not getting good barrier draws if you're not going to utilise them? 
five, six, three. And so, uh, do we agree? Before we go to a break, we're both with Torrid Saint on top. But in my in the first leg of my quaddies, I'm having all three of them level stake. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yep, absolutely the same. Three, five, and six, and we hope to get Torrid Saint beaten, not for the connections, but just to sort of get some extra value. Time for a break here on the Friday form panel. Back in a moment, Dan Malecki and Jay Bon. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven still to go for the Breeders' Crown semi-final night tomorrow at Tabcourt Park Mountain. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736. Better John Fogarty? A little bit of credence? Your credence, man? Yeah. yeah. How could you not be? Well, it's, it's pretty hard, isn't it? It's pretty hard. He, there's a, um, I don't know if you've seen the doco on, uh, on Netflix, but there's, he, was, he was a very unlikely sort of a rock star, John Fogarty, wasn't he? Yeah, a lot of them are. I mean, I enjoy watching some of those um, documentaries, and um, I've seen a few lately that I know I'm just steering away from John Fogarty and Creedence Clearwater Revival at the moment, but two of the finest pieces I've ever seen is a documentary on the Bee Gees, and, and another one on, on Buddy Holly. Yeah, right. And um, um, I, 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 after watching the Buddy Holly doco, I, I've got no doubt the most instrumental, no pun intended, uh, person in, in, in rock and roll um, is clearly uh, far and away Buddy Holly. There's no wow. doubt that um, the uh, even Elvis Presley followed in the footsteps of a Buddy Holly, the Beatles, the, a lot of bands named themselves after Buddy Holly. And to think he died so young and had the hits that he had, uh, I've got no doubt um, uh, rock and roll or, or music in general is better for, uh, for his being, even though his life was cut so short. Believe, so if you see that one, watch it. I believe that will be the biggest call you'll make on the, uh, on the Friday form. But I don't think there'll be one about any horse. That's, um, <laughs> but that is, uh, that's, that's massive. And, of course, for those who don't know, Buddy Holly, how old was he? He was in his... 23 or something like yeah. that, I think. Yeah, the big very young. And, the big bopper and Richie Valens, uh, unfortunately, mm. all went down on that that plane crash. But um, I will definitely get to. I love a music documentary, so I'll get to. Uh, I'll get to watching that. I like my history documentaries as well. Um, Soho Historia is the <laughs> favourite in race six, um, the first semi-final for the three-year-old fillies of the Breeders' Crown. Um, really interesting one, this one, because. Look, if Soho Historia is allowed to just roll to the front, there's how many Emma Stewart runners? 15, 93, 100, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 9 in this race. Yeah, 9. So they can dictate who ends up where pretty much. And if Soho Astoria is deemed to be the best of them and comfortably gets the front, she'll probably win. But um, there's a bit to play out here, I reckon. I think so. And, and look, there might be nine stable mates, but there's a lot of them that are owned by different people. So that really doesn't come into it. You, you know, you hear people say, oh, it's a stable mate. It's going to hand up. It's going to do that. Well, if you own one of those horses and I own one of those horses, um, you want them to do the things either that you want to do or give them the best possible uh, outcome for that race. So um, there's nine different drivers that go in there. Um, and uh, look, if there was a more fancied one or something you got higher respect for, um, they might get uh, the, the runs because of that respect. But otherwise, you know, I, I think they're all still very competitive and it doesn't make it any easier. Um, you know, there's nine horses. Emma's got 33 runners for the night, which is extraordinary. In the three-year-old fillies divisions, 15 of the 24. I mean, wow. I'm taking up the, the emergencies for the moment. She got 15 of the 24, nine in this race. And I'm not dipping one of hers to win. How am I going? Excuse me? Yeah, shock horror. I know you need some assistance being picked up off the floor there, but I probably should be picking Soho Historia. She was dominant the other day, but I just thought she'd been off her game a length below where I thought she was. Maybe she'll just lead and get that easy run. But I, I still got a lot of time for Miss Shantae, yeah. number two. Yep. Um, I thought she would have been right in the finish of the Oaks. She got dragged out of it. Look, she got a good run, but key to her is getting a barrier draw. She was first up for a month the other day. It was the sort of run where she will improve a lot from it, yet she was still finding the line. I think she's a really good filly that is uh, maybe more reliant on getting a bit of luck and good barrier draws when she's up against these sorts of fillies. So I've put her on top. I, I thought, look, for the whole night, it was hard to not tip nearly the short price favourites in every single yeah, race on yeah. the program. And I thought this was the maybe the most likely race where you could get some value. 
So I thought Michon T would give you a really good side each way. So two on top, four Soho Historia, clearly the one to beat. Rich Beauty from the Good Gate. And uh, and then I threw in um, number five, which was Star Celebrity. So all of that probably makes sense. The part that you're maybe having difficulty uh, absorbing is the fact that I put Michon T on top. But she's my value runner of the night. So two, four, one and five. I've gone four, five, one and two, cowardly way out. But my suggested bet in the, uh, the form commentary is... Uh, each way, a one by three, I think it might have been Michonne T. So I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I, I, I liked Michonne T going into the Oak Series after watching um, her runs over the long trip during the New South Wales Oak Series, and she did not let me down during that series. Her heat run was excellent. Um, I, I think I, I do just fear the Reaper. I, I just fear the, the quantity of numbers. But I, I think she's overs. I marked her seven dollars. She's fifteen. Um, so she's going to get a nice run here. It just depends what happens early. I think Beach, uh, even though Beach Life is quick, I think Rich Beauty's got the speed to hold it out. I reckon if there's one I'd want to risk totally, it's Beach Life. I just haven't, she just hasn't taken me. She feels like there's something that, um, she doesn't savage the line at this stage of her career. Um, so she's the one that I'd, I'd risk. I think the other winning chances, Rich Beauty, they've always had an opinion of Rich Beauty. Is she good enough? I don't, I, I think... Maybe no, but the draw gives her a hell of an advantage. Um, Star Celebrity, I, I'm, I'm certain, has a lot of ability. I think we agree. If Soho Astoria has just gifted the lead, they walk and sprint, then she'll probably win the race. But I'm also with you, uh, Dan, that I think she's... Well, either she has gone down a half step from what we saw in Queensland or the form around that Queensland win in the Oaks up there she might have been slightly flattered by the form. I can't work out which of the two is correct, but I certainly don't have her. If I've got in Cypher number one and then Petiont number two, I think Soho Historia is definitely on the next tier for me. Would we agree on that? Yeah, look, probably on what we saw through the Oaks series, I'd say that was the case. She had a chance to win. It was the, the Heat in her final run. Look, they were good performances, but it might have just put that Queensland Oaks into perspective. So I think you're right, um, particularly within Cypher. And Cypher's had to deal with a lot of bad gates through her through her career, particularly in big races. So I'm not going to argue um, uh, that point with you. No, I think you're spot on there. And this is a pretty even lineup. I think there's a lot of horses here probably going to get their chances. Um, Miss, uh, Miss Chantilly or Chantilly Lace, we're talking about Big Bopper before, weren't we? So maybe that is the game. I didn't realise it at the time, but I'm thinking about it now. And just for the record, <laughs> again, no pun intended, um, it, Buddy Holly was 22, so he hadn't turned 23 yet. And it's quite extraordinary to think a, a person could have so much success and um, inspiration for so many different people over a period of time. I'm drawing a few long bows there, but I always like when I read a book, I like to lead, uh, read the last line as well, so just to tick it off. I, I, I needed closure on that, so I'm, uh, I'm pleased to know it, but uh, we live in a different world. Again, we were talking about the sacrifices made, and Big Fella has mentioned it. Well done, gents, in the station for the respect you just showed. Um, that was for Remembrance Day and the Minute of Silence, but also people don't, um, young people now don't get off their... Um, they're rusty dusties at, at sort of 17 and 18 and, and try to change the world. They sort of wait until they're about uh, 35 and then move out home and around 42 and, and then move from there. Um, in Cypher, uh, second semi-final of the Breeders' Grand for the three-year-old fillies. I reckon if you're going to uh, hitch your wagon to $1.65 chance all night, it would be in Cypher. Now, every single time she's gone around recently, I have wanted to take her on. There's something about in Cypher that makes you think she's vulnerable but she's not. She's. I, I am now totally sold and dedicated to the concept that she's in a different league uh, to every other three-year-old filly going around and that she'll not only win um, tomorrow night, but she'll win the final with any sort of half-decent fortune. Amore Vita, I'll let you have a talk about this in a moment. Dan, I'm not sure we learned a hell of a lot first up for Emma Stewart. There was great anticipation, wasn't there? But I don't know how much we learned. They sprinted home so very quickly. Amore Vita did make some ground. Critically, she ran through the line. If you go past the post, Amore Vita had, uh, had run comfortably past um, Steno. Steno is a really interesting runner again here, though. Because of her gait speed, she could... Um, put a cat amongst the pigeons. Then you've got Petiont off the second row and the head case that I love named Beach Memory. So this is this is an exciting run. I'm within Cypher, but there's a bit to unpack here as well. Yeah, look, absolutely spot on. Covered it really well. 
Uh, and Cypher is the one you're oblo- almost obliged to tip, but with good reason. And she's got the good gates. When she's got the good gates, she, she usually wins and shows that she's just a little bit better than most of the others. Amore Vita earlier this year, uh, I thought was the best of them going around. She had blazing gate speed and she was continuing to improve. Uh, either she hasn't improved since then or she's not going as well. Had a change of stable. As you said, we didn't learn any more last start. She didn't go bad. They've all reeled off that very quick sectional behind Steno. And again, she's got a good barrier draw. She's going to end up in a spot where she might be able to use her brilliant gate speed. uh, Sorry, her brilliant speed at the end of the races. Maybe we'll find out more about her. At $3.30, are you prepared to take that risk? I I don't know. And what we've seen, she's not where she should be. This might be the race line in the sand. We find out that she is back. Uh, If she's back, she can give inside for a fright. Uh, Steno, uh, not so much throws a cat amongst the pigeons because she's a really good filly and you would expect her to have a crack for the lead. Is she a length quicker out than in Cypher, Jace? Um, It'd be interesting. I I wouldn't say she's not, but I'm not sure that she is. Um, And Pettiont is the one that, for a while there, I just thought Pettiont wasn't as good as the others because... Remember, they were, they were tinkering with gear with her and she wasn't really finding the line, but sometimes was just doing enough to win. And then we identified that actually when she looks like she's knocking off, she waits for something else to come into her field of vision and then she lifts. And we were maybe disrespecting the way that she went about winning her races. Um, I thought she was terrific the way she found the line last start and she might be the one that's been a bit disrespected here. That's your quartet though. Um, I'm working around the numbers three, nine... Two and four. Yeah, I'm with three, nine, two and thirteen. And you made some excellent points there. I think, I think for whatever reason, and you, it's hard to work out why horses switch on. But don't you feel like Petionte has just has just switched on? She's been in a couple of dog fights and wanted to win. And I feel like there was a period after that um, phenomenal. I think it was a Vic Bread Super Series semi final win where she got into a dog fight and, and she seemed happy enough to run second or third, uh, she feels like she's digging in, even at heat level where beach memories just swept on by and you just thought, well, game over here. Petionte wanted to dig in, and um, that's a sign, I reckon, that she has switched on. Whether she's quite as good as in Cypher, I think she's just below in Cypher. Uh, Amore Vita, we are going to learn more here one way or t'other. I think the key for Amore Vita, if she can get behind the leader and in Cypher's in front, it'll be interesting. Although in Cypher is... Um, I think people underrate how fast. She, she she looks like she's just sort of dour and grindy and gets a job done, but she's very quick as well. And I've got a big opinion of, of Beach Memories. She's a nutcase. She's outside the draw. She does things wrong. I tell you what, if she turned up at her best, and I've, and I've had a bit of a love affair with this filly for a long time, I reckon she'd nearly be the major danger to her in Cypher in the... Uh, in the final, personally. 3, 9, 2 and 13. We're seven races down, four to go. Time for a break when we're back. We'll look at races 8, 9, 10 and 11, included in them. The three-year-old Colts and Gelding semi-finals of the Breeders' Crown, the Elderbaron Park RC Freestone, Freestone Trotters free-for-all and also the Tab Breeders' Crown Graduate Mayors free-for-all. That's going to be an absolute belt. We'll talk about them in a moment. The SEN app is now compatible. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Well, you really, you would have thought that JD might have found something from Buddy Holly after everything that's been said, yeah. but you know, but we've gone with Daryl Braithwaite instead. And uh, no single human outside Buddy Holly has had more impact on rock music, I think, than <clears throat> Daryl Braithwaite. Um, we move forward. We've got four races left to go as we assess a massive night of racing at Tabcorp Park, Melton, tomorrow night. It's going to be an absolute belter. I love British Crown semi-final night, even though some people say it shouldn't be there. I just think it's 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 too exciting to have all these horses in one place at one time. And, yes, uh, it happens more often at the Greyhounds. Um, as Dan, like you mentioned earlier, heats into finals for races like the Melbourne Cup. You lose the big guns more often there because – only one winner gets through, but we are going to lose a couple of big guns. And I'll tell you what, I reckon if there's a race, we might lose a couple, or at least one. It's the eighth event on the card, the first semi-final of the Woodland Stud Australia Breeders' Crown Series 24 for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings, because it's just a very interesting composition of draws, isn't it? Major Perry 
gets his chance to break through again. Can he lead? Maybe. Kafaji drawn awkwardly, but on the up. Interest-free, the best horse in the race. Second line draw, got to get around them at some point. This is where I'll be playing wide through the quaddy this leg, I reckon, Dan, because I, um, I reckon... I reckon there might be even more chances than those three that I've just outlined, but I'm wondering whether you're going to be hard in the interest-free camp. Let's find out. Yep, I am hard. Yep. <laughs> um, I Look, he's a good horse. He, he's had a lot of experience. He continues to get better. He's, um, I think he's quicker than he is tougher, but he can still do a bit of work. If they're going slow, he can get put into the race He's got form against the open class paces now. Uh, it all makes sense. He's a good horse. There might be a few that are better than him in the three-year-old ranks. Um, however, when he draws well, he's that sort of horse that he can beat some of the best of them. So I think uh, he's the one to beat. I actually made him the best bet on the night. And a bit to do with uh, making him the best bet was there were so many short price favourites. I thought he was the best value of the favourites on the night. Major Perry, uh, hardest to beat. Uh, I think Kafaji... Kafaji was always a really good young horse, wasn't he? And then he seemed to plateau, and his last couple have been really good. He's got his mojo back, uh, respecting him, and then uh, then uh, as a long shot, that might be able to fill top four spotters off your rocker crocker. But my main three were 10, 4, and 8, uh, 3 for fourth, but my best of the night is interest-free. All right. I am going with interest-free on top as well, but without the same... Level of confidence, and there's a little bit I want to get through here. One, so point number one, I do think Major Perry can get across and find the front. How much work he has to do to get there will be um, a question mark. How exactly how well he's going? Well, it's very hard to tell from last start when Captain Ravishing just burns horses off like that. It's, um, you know, you, you really can't measure the performances of those in behind. He's in a world of his own. He's a he's a jet plane. He's, uh, he's Captain Ravishing. We'll get to him soon. Kafaji drawn awkwardly. They're all in the mix. But I'll give you a couple of others here. Uh, Commander Buzz from the pole marking draw. Uh, finished second last at heat level, but uh, ran the fastest final quarter, half, I think the, the fastest final mile, the whole lot. Pole marking draw is going to help a hell of a lot. So I've got it in the mix. Raw for Roscoe is a revelation at the moment, in my opinion. Has got terrific gate speed as well if they want to use it. Whether it would be successful if they did use it, I'm not certain. But I wouldn't be leaving Raw for Roscoe out. And I'll tell you one here. He's, he's going for the hero status. He's the Hail Mary. Repelling is a horse who won a semi-final of the Vic Bread Super Series as a two-year-old. And I am certain in my own mind, if it hadn't gone rough from behind the leader at heat level of the series, it goes very close to winning. And if it doesn't win, it runs a very close second. And they're offering you $151 and 16 the place about repelling from a nice trailing draw. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking I would not be blown away. I would not fall off my stool if repelling won this race. That's how wide open I reckon it is because I don't know I don't know how it's all going to play out. If Major Perry got to the lead, then interest-free is um, duty-bound to go up and apply the pressure and how much pressure and, you know, it all becomes quite convoluted at that point, I reckon, Dan. Yeah, look, you're right. There's no doubt about that. If Major Perry gets a good run and you just got to look through the field to see is there a death seat horse in the race, horse in the race? Probably Kafaji, but they've got to get off the pegs first. Um, so whether he would get there first, uh, an interest-free go-around, or interest-free, who I think is more likely from Barry 3 back row, to get around without cover first and then Kafaji work around, if interest-free is in the 1-1 trail at the bell, which one, which horse would you want to be on? Well, the, the, the only stat that I've got here as well for interest-free is, uh, has been, even though you don't think he's a breeze horse, been in the breeze five of his last 20 races, won twice, placed three times. So he certainly yep. doesn't collapse, does he? He's, no. He's, and he has built, I think you, you probably mentioned this, Dan, but he's, he's built an element of strength into his repertoire. He might have always had it, but we saw him more for his speed. But he's built, that, he's built that strength that he doesn't want to be going up and just blasting away from the breeze, but he can sit there and run the 28, 29 second sectionals and it's not a problem for him. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and, and and at the top level as well. It's not as if he's stepping up in class. Um, it's just the uh, barrier draw advantage that it, it appears that Major Perry's got on on him. Um, I think Major Perry's the sort of horse that is needs a genuine tempo. Whether he's able to create that tempo himself or not, 
um, but he's rather than a sit sprinter. So we're as interest-free can adapt to all of those uh, conditions, I think. That's why I like interest-free. Uh, and looking at repelling, I think repelling's a much better horse on the pegs, and I suspect that's where he'll be. If Kafaji comes off the peg line, uh, is there a chance repelling could be three back to the inside? If so, he is a chance at big odds of running a place. I, I definitely, because uh, Kafaji has to get off. Uh, I think from uh, from that position. So yes, I think Lee Sutton will have that in the in the front, the back, and the middle of his mind. Uh, good luck to all of the horses going around in that particular race. We'll go for a break because I don't know if any of them can win the final. The horse we'll be talking about straight after this sabbatical is the likely winner of the Breeders' Crown for the three-year-old Coles and Goldings next weekend. The very likely winner, the Learjet, the Plane. The freak named Captain Ravishing. We'll talk about him in a moment. Dan Mulligan and Jay Bond on the Friday form panel on in Track. Welcome back to the Friday form panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Still nobody Ellie, but we've got Van Halen on this occasion. Go ahead and jump. I'll tell you what. They do jump when Captain Ravaging races. Second semi-final of the Breeders' Crown for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. Uh, tomorrow night at Victorian Harness Headquarters. He's a dollar an eight, but you can understand why. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this race as a, um, uh, still a very good betting race for some reason, Dan, because I, I think that it's going to be obvious. Well, it looks obvious that peg domination should ensue. And I think Rip will run past Beach Villa, who will hold, hold up at the start and hand up to Captain Ravaging. So... I'm uh, I'm going to go bullish, uh, arrogant, and um, and wild, and say six to beat, eight to beat, one, and shut up shop after that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, similarly, pretty special horse, isn't he? Uh, and uh, and should be winning here, um, able to dictate, and uh, and just come home at the speed uh, that uh, he wants to. I was going to say that Mark Pitt wants him to, but I think it's the horse that just yeah. does it when he wants to, doesn't he? So. Um, who runs second, third? I think Rip runs second. Um, he's a good horse, Rip. Mm. Like, he's a seriously good horse. And uh, it's just Captain Ravishing is in that freakish category, I think, at the moment. And um, and then, uh, look, I, I didn't know. He's Charlie's Angel. He's a good horse, sometimes forgotten about. He can run a place. Uh, and so Beach Villa. But if they're going to come home in a 25.3 final quarter, um, you can't be too far back. Or, or you could be too far back, and you still might be able to run third. But the, the closer you are to the pegs, it's... A better position you're going to be in. Beach Filler, look, as much as I thought he was is a top-notch superstar in the making as a young horse, he just can't be trusted anymore. Yeah, He'll get a decent enough run, and he's a good chance to run a place. I'd much prefer to take Rip to run second than Beach Filler, but yeah. I've tipped them six, eight, one, and five. I've gone six, eight, one, and four, and... Yeah, so untrustworthy, in fact, is Beach Filler that I'd be having... So I said six to beat, eight to beat, one... That'd be my main trifecta, and then six to beat, eight to beat, a few others in case Beach Villa just, you know, calls quits at some point. And uh, I'd be including um, he's a, a Charlie's Angel, Jet Rock, and Flash Jimmy primarily into my thoughts there. We're nine races down, and that's the end of the semi-finals, but it's not the end of the meeting. Another intriguing race: the Elderbaron Park RC Freestone Trotters Free for All, and you've got Elderbaron Zeus and Majestuo, so. There's a few little similarities between these two horses, isn't there, uh, Dan? So incredibly quick. They've got gate speed. They can lead. They can come off the speed. Um, Majestuoso deserves to be, you know, I think still rated quite a bit higher than Aldebaran Zeus, but he's fresh with bigger fish to fry. Aldebaran Zeus has got the better draw in his hard fit. This is what levels them up. I'm really surprised, and maybe you can help me out here. I'm very surprised to see Aldebaran Crescent so short in the market at three dollars ninety, but you might be uh, you might be thinking that's about right. It's got no hope. No. Absolutely won't run in the first seven. Well, what's it doing? I market thirty four dollars. What's it doing at three dollars ninety? Will not even complete the. I wouldn't even be surprised if it doesn't start. It's scratched. That's out. <laughs> well, there you go. It was three dollars ninety. That's going <laughs> to that's going to change the market. Um, Elder Baron Zeus. We're not. Um, I thought that was rather aggressive. Um, <laughs> Elder Baron Zeus on Majestuoso for you. Toss of the coin, the race fit, or, or the horse that's first up that has been beaten a few times as favourite Majestuoso. Um, it was a bit of a, a toss of the coin. I'm not really sure. It's one of those races I want to see them. I want to see Majestuoso. I mean, he's always a very appealing horse. He usually stands out. 
Uh, he's usually pretty keen when he's doing his preliminaries. So I know what to expect for Majestuoso. And if there's anything different to that, it could change my opinion. So it'll be important to watch, I think, Trot's vision and see Majestuoso. Um, but uh, Elderbaran Zeus got the gate speed. Uh, and probably got the Barry draw now with Elderberry and Crescent coming out. Um, he can work his way to the top here. So I look four from seven, bit of a flip of the coin. Uh, and then uh, Rules Don't Apply is an interesting horse. Um, usually pretty good oh. first up. It's got a heap of ability, yet it's the outsider of the field. I've got him in the numbers, and again, might be a horse. He's only a. Uh, he's an athletic but lightly framed athletic type of horse, uh, and that's why I think a lot of the times he has short preparations. So it'll be interesting to see how he parades also. Uh, if he looks like he needs the run, I reckon it'll be obvious. But usually Anthony Croslin has him pretty well wound up for a first up assignment. So he might be the horse you see come in from 41s to about 10s on the night. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and then um, uh, now I've got to find a new fourth because Elderberry and Crescent's come out. And I think Sundon's Courage from its gate. I think he's got to be put in at least for the top four. So I've got four seven, five, and uh, two. I've gone seven, four, five, and two. And just as we go to another break on the Friday form panel, rules don't apply. I've marked $6. So I understand that he, he he's another horse who has lost the trust and in some cases the, inf- the affection of his uh, followers and zealots. But rules don't apply is good enough, definitely good enough to come out here and, and win this race. So I'd be getting on the $41 now because it will... It will not last. Well, Elder Baron Crescent's going to compress the market already, but um, it's going to start. Yeah, it's going to start eight, nine, ten dollars, maybe even shorter. Time for a break. We'll come back. One more race to go and our best bets. And Dan, during this next four minutes, you said there was a five or six leg multi. Um, comprise one for us because I'm going to do the same. Okay, and I'm looking forward to. If it's not a Buddy Holly song, maybe an Aerosmith. Uh, or am I pushing my luck too much when we come back? We'll see, we'll, we'll see if he listens. <laughs> JD, did you listen? All right, back in a moment. Jeez. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on True. Yeah. I love it. Have you love it. Well done, John. That's insane. I promise I won't do that again because it's not fair, but I do love it. And the, the music mix up tonight, it's right in my sweet spot. Thank you very much. Put uh, me in a great mood. I want you to do it every single time you're on air, please, Dan. Don't say you'll never do it again. <laughs> i tell you what, um, speaking of music, I wrote in the form comment, just like Vanessa Williams or the bloke she was singing about, we might have saved the best for last year. I know we've got some great races, but this... Breeders' Crown Mayor's graduate free-for-all is just wonderful, isn't it? Three four-year-old mares who all sort of come from slightly different areas and where where they've progressed through their careers. And uh, this is going to be a hell of a contest. It is because there's – I haven't worked out the way the race is going to be run Um, or maybe I'm angling it towards a way that might best suit my selections here. But Doug's babe's clearly going as well as she ever has and – She's got so close to ladies in red before, you, you, you recognise that this is doable for her. Tay-Tay's always been very exciting, comes off the back of that brilliant win last start in Sydney. And Tough Tilly is just Tough Tilly. She's nearly as good as ladies in red. Maybe, you know, she's beaten her three times. Is it obvious that she's the one? Uh, it's a ripper race. I'm going six, five, four and three. Um, but uh, there's a part of all of us that, gets a big thrill and and a f- feeling good about Tough Tilly whenever she performs well through the e- EB Foundation. Um, but Tay-Tay's very good. Doug's babe has yeah, been so good in all those big races. So six, five, four, three, and you're right. What a fantastic race to finish on. There might only be five in it. It's Beaujolais is out, but it might complement the night because once we're through, it might be a Beaujolais that we're after to... Uh, to look back on a fabulous night's uh, harness racing. Oh, I'm with you. I can't believe we're getting $2.60 about Tough Tilly. I'm six, five, four, and one. Give us that multi before we say sayonara, please, Dan. 
Uh, it's a tough one that needs 30 seconds and you head to wrap around in a pen that works. But race one, there's two scenarios to take here. Either the Lost Storm straight out or Captain's Knock at 380 the place in the first leg of the all-up. Uh, then across to race number three, again, two ways to play it. Either the Seven Jewel Melody to win or the One Soho Serafina place. To win race four, number six, Major Delight. A place, race five, number three, Bulletproof Boy. Then race seven, number three, to win in Cypher. And then race eight, number 10, interest-free to win. And what do you reckon? That's, that, that sounds beautiful. I'm going to go uh, race one, number five, into race two, number two, into race four, number six, into race seven, number three, into race nine, number six. I know you shouldn't put a dollar eight shot in a multi, but I've, I've done it. Well done, Dad. Uh, we're going we're gonna to play you out here. Um, don't grab a Beaujolais just yet. Wait for tomorrow night. But great chatting with you again in a great Friday form panel. Uh, some of those tips don't get up. It might turn to under Armageddon. So fingers <laughs> crossed it's, it's not. And uh, for a night of harness racing like that, I don't want to miss a thing on the 11 event card. Well done, Dan Malecki. That's been the Friday form panel. Au revoir. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. And don't forget, you must tune into Trot's Vision tomorrow night for this magnificent card at Tadcourt Park Mountain. See you, kids. The SEN app is now compatible with Apple CarPlay.